Church, let us pray. God, we approach your throne with hearts of gratitude. Grateful for, of course, what you're doing in our own lives personally. Grateful for what you're doing at Hope Church. But Lord, above all, we are grateful for, for who you are. That alone is worthy of our praise. And God, as we dive into your word this morning, let it be your word that's spoken. God, push me out of the way if you need to, for it to be done so that your name is lifted high. Lord, I ask that I become less so that you can become more. Reveal yourself to someone this morning. Help them to walk out of here more curious than when they came in. Or maybe more confident, standing firm on the truth of your word. God, I pray that you bless every soul that's under the sound of my voice, whether in person or online this morning. And your name is lifted high. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Hope Church. We are so glad to be with you. We are glad that you are with us, that you chose to worship at Hope Community Church in Lowell, Indiana. Um, as if, you're, if you're new here, we're going through, we are in the middle of our series. I think we got a slide that we can pop up. Yes, thank you. Don put that together, so thank you. Shout out, Don. Uh, this is a six-week series as we are preparing Hope Community Church uh, for this new season of ministry. Each one of these areas is an area that we need to be preparing for, and they're all crucial as we look into the future uh, with, with hope and, and keeping God at the center. So I, I really in, uh, invite you to, to stay with us, give us six weeks, and uh, we are going to continue to glorify the Lord as we prepare for uh, what he is going to do here at Hope. Today is prepare for growth. I had to look at the slide to remind me. So. <laughs> Prepare for growth, and we are so glad and, and grateful that this is where the Lord has brought us. Uh, growth is, uh, of course, uh, an area that we all desire and we all pray to see, um, but we don't all know exactly what that looks like uh, and how that is revealed to us. So um, I want to read a little clip from an article. It says this, Churches closed and demolished. House churches raided. Pastors handcuffed mid-service. Christians arrested, interrogated, and imprisoned. Crosses removed from church buildings. A new Chinese law has led to a widespread crackdown on Christians in providences throughout the country. I want to ask you the question, are we far behind? China is currently undergoing some of the harshest persecution of the Christian faith that it has ever seen, making it one of the most difficult countries to be a Christian. I want to ask you the question, are we far behind? Yet even with this persecution... Scholars and researchers have, have been able to find that over the last 40 years, 
The number of Christians in China has grown from, listen to this, has grown from 1 million to 100 million. And, and, and they are all in agreement in saying that this is actually a low projection. This is just a rough estimate because a lot of the people that are Christians in underground churches aren't going to raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm a Christian if they're in the middle of being persecuted. Some are saying that there's almost 250 million Christians in China right now. This is up from just 1 million 40 years ago. So I want to ask you the question, are we far behind? So we hear this and we begin to ask, why? What happened? How does a church grow so much in an area where there is such heavy persecution? Now, as we are about to see today, growth is not based on human efforts, but on the sovereignty of God and his providential hand. If you could all turn with me, Acts 2, we're going to be doing Acts 2, 42 to 47. It's an incredible area of scripture as you look at growth within the church. Acts 2, 42 to 47, there's some Bibles in front of you. I really encourage you to grab one, um, or you could use the app on your phone. It all works. Acts 2, 42 to 47, of course, we will take it in bite-sized chunks starting by reading verses 42 to 44. 42 to 44. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Point number one for this morning, growth does not cater to worldly ideologies. Growth does not cater to worldly ideologies. I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit. The first thing that these followers of Christ did was devote themselves to the teaching of the apostles, and to fellowship. Okay, they devoted themselves. They, they didn't hear the truth being preached and then twisted into what they wanted to hear. They, they didn't go out on the street and, and listen for teaching that appealed more to their agenda. They didn't look for worldly teachers that are more accepting and inclusive of their ways of life. They devoted themselves to the truth of God's word. And this is the, the full truth. Not just part of it. It's the full truth. It's, it's not accepting of anything else. It, it doesn't bend one way or the other. It doesn't affirm your opinion or your perspective if it doesn't line up with the truth. It says this is the truth. This is God's word. And if your opinion doesn't line up with it, then you don't believe it at all. You can't take bits and pieces or, or only agree with the easy stuff. God's word can't be added to and it can't be taken away. 
and neither can our devotion to it. The minute we start getting away from it is the minute that we no longer have that devotion. Trusting that the Bible is God's word is an all-in or not-at-all option. You either believe it 100% with every part of your being, or you don't believe it at all. You see, Hope Community Church will hold to the truth of God's word 100%. Or as Luke puts it, will hold to the apostles' teaching, as we just read in verse 42. Unfortunately, that, that's not a, a common thought anymore. Some of you are hearing that and we're like, well, good, you're a church. That doesn't mean what it used to. A recent Gallup poll said this, a record low 20% of Americans now say that the Bible is the literal word of God, down from 24% the last time the question was asked in 2017. And half of it was at its high points in 1980 and 1984. Meanwhile, a new high of 29% said that the Bible is a collection of fables, legends, and history or moral precepts simply recorded by man. This marks the first time significantly more Americans have viewed the Bible as not divinely inspired than as the literal word of God. The largest percentage, 49%, shows the middle alternative roughly in line with where it has been in previous years. In other words, only 20% of Americans believe that the Bible is God's word. Only 20% of Americans believe that the Bible is God's word. There's belief and there's devotion. You know, the word devoted here in verse 42 is translated from the Greek word proskartario, which literally means to continue to do something with intense effort with the possible implication of, dis of, of despite difficulty or to devote oneself to, to keep on, to persist in, no matter the consequences. There's a huge difference in studying God's word, and being devoted to it. You know, I, this isn't in my notes, but I remember when I was in college, I, I was in uh, the undergraduate program, and, and one of my classes that I got to take uh, was an elective, and it was called Introduction to Christianity, and it was taught by a man, I don't know if I shared this before, it was taught by a man who was not a Christian. So how do you have an introduction to Christianity course? You know, I took it as a blow-off. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And it's, it's, by, it's taught by a professor who, who did not know, he did not view the Bible as the inerrant word of God. And when he said that, I, I, you know, I raised my hand, 19 years old, whatever, at the time. I'm like, how do you do this? I didn't ask it that straightforward, but it was in regards to how are you teaching a class basing, based on the Bible but not believe that it's God's word? And his response was so interesting to me. He said, because this is the oldest book, the book that has the least amount of errors, it has absolutely no errors, and he actually went as far as saying this book is absolutely perfect, and it has been for thousands of years. I'm like, how do you believe that? But you haven't given your life to it. 
You see, there's a difference between studying God's word and being devoted to it. In other words, these Christians, they were, they were all in on the truth of God's word despite the difficulty that it was going to bring on their lives. And here's what's pretty cool. They were all like-minded in doing so. You know, having all things in common is a very rare commodity anymore. Could you imagine sitting around the table enjoying a meal and knowing that you can talk about whatever you'd like and that everybody would be in agreement with one another? Election season's coming up. Imagine that. I'm not talking about whether or not we are on the same page in, in terms of sports. Or, this, or maybe a hot topic that's coming up here at Hope, or, or the type of brand of lawnmower that we're going to be purchasing, or our favorite place to go shopping. I'm not, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about spiritually and doctrinally. Too often we find ourselves avoiding topics of discussion because of, because of the fact that we're going to be afraid where people stand on certain areas. For example, we avoid talking about the, the sanctity of human life because for some reason we hear that there are Christians that are pro-choice. We avoid talking about the absolute ridiculousness of, of preferred pronouns because someone might get offended. You see, it's our, it's our passivity on these issues that is allowing other supposed followers of Christ to develop ways of thinking that goes completely against the truth of God's word. And when they begin to develop such ways of thinking, their, their lifestyles and their choices then begin to reflect it. And the next thing you know, they're, not, they're no longer following the God of the Bible, but, but rather a self-made God that is more an idol that they created in their mind to cater to their emotions and their feelings. Can I get an amen, somebody? You see, God didn't send his son to earth to provide an option to eternal life, but rather to be the sacrifice for all the sins of humanity. When we believe in anything other than, than Christ being the way, the truth, and the life, there is no way, and that there is no way to get to the Father except through him. We are catering to the world, and growth will come in all the wrong ways. Biblical growth does not cater to worldly ideologies. Biblical growth does not cater to worldly ideologies. Let's keep going. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Point number two, God provides the resources for growth. God provides the resources for growth. As the church grows, so do the needs. And when the needs grow, so do the resources that God provides. I'm starting to lose some of you here. You're saying he's going to talk about giving. <laughs> Give me some grace. Come on, eyes up here. <laughs> eyes up here. Week three, we're already talking about tithe. <laughs> You know, in a few months, we're going to be hosting what I'm going to call, what we're going to call a vision service in the beginning of January. And, 
And in this service, I'm going to be presenting to all of you what I feel that the Lord has in store for the future of hope here in Lowell and beyond. He's already starting to make clear to me what I feel like he's going to do here. And, and as I've stated before, I believe that God is going to grow this church spiritually as well as numerically. And in doing so, he's going to provide us with the wisdom to minister to those that come through the doors as well as the physical space to do it. Now, as we all, and as you begin praying for this service and that, that God directs our leadership here at Hope, I pray that you also begin to ask God how you can be involved. Whether it's a ministry you want to start, a ministry that you want to join, please pray and, and don't be afraid to ask myself or any of our elders and deacons here, any of the staff, what we think. We, we would love to be a part of God using you here at Hope Church. Now, I want to say this, and the reason that I bring that up, we all want growth until it involves people we don't want. I'm going to say that one more time. We all want growth until it involves people that we don't want or expect. Because as this growth comes, we're going to need ministries that welcome people in all walks of life so that we can not, not accept the ideas, but to disciple them. Now I'm excited, as in January, I'm excited to share what God's placed on, on my heart for the future of our church, but I also can't continue on without highlighting the importance of giving. You'll see that the early Christians were giving not only what they had to meet the needs of the church, but they were going as far as, now this is radical, selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That comes straight from God's word. That's not Ryan's ideas or opinions. That comes straight from God's word. Verse 45, selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and tell you to go as far as doing that. Maybe you're convicted by the word of God and you're saying, well, there is something that I can do, I can sell, I can, to help. But I'm going to ask, would you be willing to if this was presented to you? If God tugged on your heart and said, that's an idol to you, would you be willing to? That's a convicting question for myself. A lot of times we put stipulations on whether or not we're going to give it's all too common. We put these, these standards and we say, well, the church is giving through a fundraiser right now and I don't want any of my money to go to wherever they're going to be raising funds for, so I'm not going to be giving this month. Or I know that the benevolence is going to this specific person or, or this specific ministry and I don't agree with that, so I'm going to hang on to my cash this month. Friends, I want to challenge you that, that as we grow... Not every, everybody is going to be on the exact same page with what we do. But my heart cry for you is that you trust that your leadership here at Hope is going to steward the resources that we receive to the best of our ability, trusting that God is the provider and use what we have for his glory. God provides the resources for growth. 
And what a blessing to not only witness this growth, but to play a part in making it happen. Let's keep going. Verse 46 and 47. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number. Underline that. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Final point for us this morning. Growth is not the goal, but the outcome. Growth is not the goal, but the outcome. Notice how Luke makes clear here that it was the Lord that added to their number. It wasn't man's efforts. It wasn't a significant outreach event that they had put on or or a way that they were becoming relatable to the culture. It wasn't this crazy innovation and technology that the church was using in their Sunday services. The growth came not as a result of man's efforts, but out of God's sovereign hand. The disciples didn't, they didn't sit around and, and strategize the best ways to, to reach their community. They were well aware of the teachings of the apostles and said, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. They knew, that, they knew that if they were to focus on growing their relationship with Christ and one another, Christ would be the one that would add to their number. And I can guarantee you, they weren't as concerned about adding to their number as they were about deepening their relationship with Christ. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, the church itself was not a hub for evangelism, but rather a house where believers went to worship God, to learn about him, and to be equipped to do his work. You see, the church has confused its role in our culture today. And this confusion is, is really, if you look at it, it's at the root of all false doctrines, false teachers, and even false salvation all over the world. So many believe that it's the church's job to become more like the culture, to become relatable, that's a word you often hear, so that people won't think, as, won't think of Christians as, as being weird or, or out of the ordinary. The issue with this is that we are called to be different. There, I said it. We are called to stand out. What is normal is... is it, we're called to stand up. Is turning the other cheek when we are struck normal? Is loving and praying for your enemy normal? Is putting nothing spiritually, physically, or mentally before a God that we can't see normal? My friend, a Christian is not normal to those that are not Christians, and we're doing ourselves harm by trying to be. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 says this, and we just went over this yesterday in the men's Bible study. Shout out the men's Bible study. If you're interested, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. 
But it says this, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Friends, we are not called to be like the rest of the world because we are not of the world. We are to love one another. We are to be the salt of the world by by standing up for the truth of God's word. We are to have generous hearts and, and hold a posture of gratitude as we praise God for what he has done for us. By doing this, by by conducting our lives in this way, is when we will notice that we will have favor with all people. Not not in a way that will be liked by all people, but respected by them. You see, God so loved the world, not to be like the world, but so that the world might know who he is. And when we can surrender to that truth, deepening our understanding and love for him, we can watch him provide the increase. Let's pray. And God, as we look to you, the Lord of the harvest, let it not be our focus. Lord, our focus shouldn't be the harvest, but the Lord of it. And God, help us to deepen our relationship with you in the midst of this season. God, it's true that growth isn't our goal, but it's the outcome of fruitful devotion to you. God, convict us of ways that we can know you more. Convict us of ways that we can free up space in our life to be a light for you. And give us the boldness to proclaim your truth in a culture that is so far away from us. Lord, we are so grateful for who you are, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth to die on the cross for our sins and not just dying, rising again three days later so that through faith in him, we can have eternal life. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen.